And I want to just kind of finish up our series on prayer. I want to share with you an example of a, a person who prayed in the Bible. How many of you have ever heard of the book called The Prayer of Jabez? How many of you have ever heard of that? A handful of you. It was popular way back in the year 2000. Um, some of you are like, that's a long time ago, right? But uh, way back in the year, around, around the year 2000, a book called, came out called The Prayer of Jabez. And uh, in fact, I had already preached a sermon on the prayer of Jabez, and then the book came out. Um, you know, so I was, you know, kind of bummed because I was like, I could have been the one making the money off this book, you know. That was a long time ago. Um, but it's an interesting prayer that's found in an interesting place because it's in the Chronicles. Anybody know what Chronicles are? It's kind of like, basically like history. Um, where they would just write the Chronicles. Uh, the Kings and Chronicles are very similar. Uh, but in the Chronicles, there's the first nine chapters are basically a genealogy. Anybody know what a genealogy is? Uh, it's like a family tree. And it just, it's, I'm not trying to be mean here. For the most part, it's pretty boring. Uh, you know, like in the old English, it would say begat. And this person begat this person, that person begat that person, and this person, and it goes through... And it's the part that when, like when I was in Bible college, I'm just going to, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to tell you the truth. But in Bible college, they would make us read through the Bible. They make you read through the whole Bible, sometimes two or three times, you know, a semester or something like that, depending on what class you were in. And I have to admit, when I would get to the genealogies, I would skip it, okay? I would just skip it because after a while you're just reading about this person had this person who had this person who had that person who had this person. And you're like, okay, I'm just going to kind of skip through this and get to the little bit better stuff, you know? Well, it's interesting because that's where this prayer is found. It's found in a very, if you will, boring, for some people it would be boring, part of, of the scriptures. Because in First Chronicles, we'll be in chapter 4, the first Nine chapters is all about this person had this person had this person had that person. And then when it comes to this man by the name of Jabez, there's actually something briefly said about him, which is really cool. And uh, what it is, is we see that this man had a prayer. And so we want to look at the, the prayer of Jabez as we kind of look at an example of a man who prayed. And uh, it kind of ties into the series that we've been studying. But let me ask this question. How many of you in the last few weeks, you would say that, that maybe your prayer life has changed even just a little bit in the last few weeks? How many would say that? Those of you that have been coming. Awesome. How many of you could say, you know what? I prayed specifically or I was challenged to be more precise and I prayed specifically. How many could say something like this? I know that at least one time I prayed something specifically, and I know that God answered. Anyone like that? Awesome. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And uh, so I want to kind of continue this because it is so important. When we pray, we're talking to God. And so we want to talk about a man who called out to God. So are we ready this morning? We'll jump right in. Uh, we'll have some announcements a little bit uh, at the end. How about that? So let's go to First Chronicles 4, verse 9 and 10. Just two verses. But boy, these verses say a lot. It says this, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him, or because he was born in pain. We'll talk about in a moment. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, 
Enlarge my territory that your, notice this, that your hand will be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. And I love this. It says, so God granted him his request. God granted him his his request. By the way, does God answer prayer? Yes or no? Yes, God answers prayer. Here's an example of a man who prayed. And I want to just take a few moments and look at this man by the name of Jabez, because there's actually a lot here. You say, well, there's just a couple verses, not much really said about him. But there's a lot more here than what meets the eye. And so let's ask God to bless his word this morning. Lord, I pray that you would bless, Lord, this time as we look at this prayer of a man by the name of Jabez. Lord, his name literally means sorrow or pain, grief. And Father, he called out to you, and you heard his prayer, and you answered his prayers. Truly, you are a God who hears our prayers, and you answer prayer. And Lord, I pray that you would just encourage each one to know that you are a God who is close, you are a God who is near, and that you you hear us when we call out to you, and when we pray, and when we talk to you, you hear us, and And you do respond. And just like you responded in this man's life, this man named Jabez, that's just just a name mentioned in a family tree, but he called out to you and you answered his prayer and you put it there for us to encourage us that you can hear our prayers too and that you will answer our prayers. And so I pray that we would learn from your word today and most importantly, just be encouraged to just keep praying to never quit, and to know that you do hear prayers, and that prayer changes things. And so, God, I pray that you would bless your word. In your name we pray. Amen. As I mentioned, this nine chapters of a boring reading. I'm just going to say it, okay? It's okay. You have this family lineage. In fact, it starts, Chronicle starts with Adam. And it talks about Adam and then his children. And then there's, it goes through the whole history, basically the nation of Israel. And then up to chapter 9, at the end of chapter 9, then it goes into the kings and basically the chronicles of the nation of Israel and their captivity and, and various things. But think about this. Here's some of the names that are mentioned in this chronicles leading up to this chapter. Adam, one of his sons, Seth. Noah, that's a big name right there, right? How many of you have heard of Noah at least, right? Maybe it's your first time at church. You've at least heard about Noah and the story of Noah. You know, maybe you've uh, been into someone's room where they have the, the, Noah, the Noah theme and Noah in the ark. And by the way, I've never understood that one. In fact, even in our church in Missouri, they put the Noah up in the, in, the, in the nursery, in the baby nursery. And I just thought to myself, that's a hard one for me. You know, really, let's think this through. You know, like, could you imagine telling your kids a little bedtime story? Let me tell you the story about Noah and how God sends the flood and destroys everything on planet Earth. Good night, sweetheart. Sweet dreams. <laughs> See you in the morning. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, really think about this cataclysmic flood. And we make it look to be so cute. But no, we think about Noah who was a man of faith, Noah, man of God. Noah's name is mentioned. Later, Abraham, Abraham, the father of our faith. Men like Isaac 
And Jacob, we'll mention Jacob here in a moment, but Jacob who was, became Israel, the nation of Israel, and his descendants, the Hebrews. We think about a man by the name of Judah. In fact, chapter 4 here is the lineage of Judah. And let's just think about this for a moment. Why is this important? Well, because Judah, through the line of tri- in the tribe of Judah, he was called the line of the tribe of Judah, we have who, 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 who was born, who, who, who was born, the most significant person who was ever born on planet earth. Who was it? Jesus Christ. And so this lineage and, and these names are important. But then you have men like Caleb is mentioned. And then you'll see that David was mentioned as well. David, the, you know, the king, David, the warrior, David, who killed Goliath. And then you have the man by the name of Solomon. You see, leading up to these, this chapter where this man by the name of Jabez is just briefly mentioned, it's interesting that there are some pretty big, big names, you know, what we call big names. Like these are the big guns in the Bible, you know, the big guys, David and Solomon and Abraham and no, and all these things. But notice what it says. It says that there was a man by the name of Jabez that says he was more honorable than his brothers. I mean, think about that. A lot, of, a lot of important people mentioned, but God says, it's just kind of put there, that he was more honorable than all of his brethren, meaning his family, his lineage. That God says he was a very honorable man. How cool is that? And why was he honorable? It says because he called out to God. He talked to God. I want to speak for a few moments on this prayer of Jabez, but before we talk about his prayer, you see, if we do not think about the person of Jabez, who is this Jabez, or what, what, do we, what little bit do we know about him, then I don't think his prayer will be as, mean as, as much to us. The person of Jabez... If you'll understand, if you'll read this chapter and you'll read this chrono- the, the chronology here, what you'll find is this. It's always a father is mentioned and then the son. You guys kind of know that, at least a little bit about that. This man, and this is his descendants, and this man, and then his descendants, and this man. But did you catch something in a casual reading? Did you catch something here? It says that he was more honorable than his brothers. doesn't even say who the father is. And then it says his mother named him. His mother is the one who, who names him. Why? Because we understand that the father is not present. In fact, so much so that the father's name is not even mentioned. We don't know who Jabez's father is, but we do know that he was in this lineage and that he was born into this family, but there is no mention of the father. Now, this is huge. This is huge. There's great significance here because in the Jewish culture, it was very important because it was the father who passed down the blessing. We'll talk about it again here in a little bit, but how about Jacob? Remember, what did Jacob want? Remember Jacob who became Israel? He wanted his father's what? Blessing. So he deceived and tricks his father because he was not the oldest brother. Remember Jacob and Esau, and Esau was the older brother, and it was Esau who was supposed to get the blessing, but what does Jacob do? He tricks his father uh, with the help of mom, and they trick even his brother, and he receives the blessing. This is tremendous. This is huge. 
Because Jabez's father is not mentioned, there will be no blessing for this man Jabez. Now we can only try to guess the circumstances and we do not know the circumstances, but I think there are a few possibilities of the circumstance of Jabez's birth. In fact, when mom names him, she says his name, Jabez, the name Jabez means born in grief and pain and sorrow. Some people immediately would say, oh, that's meaning that she had a a tough pregnancy. I do not believe that's what this means. It wasn't just that she had a lot of pain and suffering in the birth of this child, which is what many people believe. I believe it goes much deeper than that. And the reason why is because out of everyone mentioned, there's not, everyone else had a father mentioned, but when Jabez is born, there is no father mentioned, and there's going to be no blessing for Jabez. And so when he's born, follow me, please let this sink in, that when he's born, his mother knows that his life is going to be filled with pain and sorrow and suffering. Most likely that when this child was born, there was much shame that came along along with it. A couple of the possibilities is simply this. Maybe she was a young teenage mom, and maybe this is a what we would call in some terminologies an unwanted pregnancy. That's a possibility. No one knows who the father is. You know, some would say, well, maybe... Maybe the father died, but his name's not mentioned. You know, we don't think about it, but we have this idea that somehow in the Bible times, please bear with me, sometimes in the Bible times that everything was pretty and everything was perfect and there wasn't problems and there wasn't what we call sin and bad things and evil. But can I tell you, there was just as much evil then as there is now. You know it's possible. It's possible that maybe this mother was raped. Maybe she was raped. And when she has this child who she's not even sure who the father is, she now says, I I have this child. and, And every time I see this child... It brings pain, it brings sorrow, it brings grief. And I know that this child is going to be culturally, in a a cultural setting, is going to be shunned and is going to be different. And he's not going to have the opportunities that other young boys have. Are you with me this morning? This is what is important about this prayer. Because if you will, Jabez... His name means sorrow and grief and pain. We don't know the exact circumstances around his birth, but what we do know is this, is that it was very painful. It brought great grief and sorrow to his mother. And what she was saying is, Jabez, that your life is going to be filled with pain and sorrow and suffering and grief, and it's going to be tough and it's going to be hard. And you are not going to have the blessing that the others have. I like this though. The Bible says he was more honorable. I don't know about you, but aren't you 
thankful that we have a God who can take guilt and shame and transform it into honor and praise. Isn't that awesome? That God can take grief and sorrow and suffering and turn it into joy. Are you with me this morning? Oh, God inspired his word and in his word, in the recording of the name of Jabez, says he was more honorable than all those that came before him. Despite his circumstances, despite all that his family had been through and what his mother had been through and maybe the guilt and the shame, and despite all of that, God says that he was more honorable. Why? Because he called out to God. Let me say something to you this morning. God is no respecter of persons. It does not matter where you've been, what you have done, what you've gone through. You can call out to God and God hears you. And God, listen to me, God can change your circumstances. Are you with me this morning? God can transform our lives. And that's what he did for this man. That's the person of Jabez. But notice his prayer. His prayer is just four quick things he said. One, he said, bless me. He said, bless me. Father God, bless me. Again, let me emphasize this. That is because it was the father's job to pass down the blessing. And Jabez had no father in his life to pass this blessing down to him. And so you know what he did? He went directly to God himself. And he says, I may not have a father here who can bless me. But he says, God, I know you can bless me. And he calls out to God and he says, God, if you will, he's saying, Heavenly Father, bless me. I need your blessing in my life. And the Bible says, God answered his prayer. Amen. He said, bless me. You see, Jacob wanted that blessing. Jacob in Genesis 32, the Bible says prior that he tricked his father for the blessing, but it didn't really work out very well, did it? And he had to run and he had to hide and he was afraid of his brother Esau trying to kill him. And I love Genesis chapter 32 because in Genesis 32, you know what happens? Wrestling happens. That's what happens. The greatest sport on the earth. Because we see in Genesis chapter 32, it says that that Jacob wrestled with, with the Lord himself. He was in a wrestling match. You know, want to know something? The Lord wrestled. That is, that. listen to me, that is a heavenly sport, I'm telling you. And so we see in Genesis 32 that Jacob still was seeking after blessing after all of these years. His Jacob's name, you know what his name means? Trickster, deceiver. Jacob tried to trick and deceive to get the blessing. He connived. He was manipulative and he did everything in his power to have the blessing. And what he realized is it wasn't working. Can I tell you something? Many of the times, humanly speaking, in our own lives, even as followers of Jesus Christ, that we try to manipulate and we try to, if you will, get blessed by doing things our way. But he finally came to the reality that he needed God in order to be blessed. And in Genesis 32, he meets up with the Lord. The Bible says that they're in this 
wrestling match. And they're in this battle. And it say, he says they wrestled till the, the sun started to come up. And Jacob would not let the Lord go. And the angel of the Lord, the Lord says, let me go. Let me go. He says, the sun's coming up. Let me go. And Jacob, I love this. Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. Wow. And the Lord says, okay, I'll bless you. Your name is no longer Jacob, which means trickster, deceiver. But your name shall be Israel, which means prince or at peace with God. Wow. See, Jabez wrestled with God, if you will. He called out to God and he said, God, bless me. He didn't say bless the missionary, (laughs) bless the church. You know, bless my neighbor. He said, bless me. I said this last week, write this down. I'm going to review it again. But you remember what I said last week? Write this down in your heart. Write this down in your Bible. Write this down on a note. But do not miss this. Please do not miss this. No one, if you know it, say it with me. No one can pray for you like you can pray for you. It's okay to pray for you. You can pray for yourself and pray and ask God to bless you. Ask God to use you. Ask God to be present in your life. And he said, bless me. He said, bless me, oh, Father, bless me. And may I emphasize again this week that you are the best person that can pray for you. And it's okay to pray for yourself. Yes, we should pray for others. Yes, we pray for other people. But can I say this? It's okay to pray for you. Pray. Ask God's blessing in your life. What we would call it is this, maybe the word favor. Father, I want your blessing. I want your favor in my life. He said, Father, bless me. I like what he says briefly. He says, enlarge my territory. This is pretty cool. Enlarge my territory, enlarge my coast. Use me in a greater capacity, in a greater way. I mean, think about it. He, he realized that everything came from God. Enlarge my territory. In, in terms of, give me more land. Help me to be more productive. Help me, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with praying that way. Help me to be successful. By the way, can I say this? If, if, if God is blessing us and he has favor in our lives, don't you think other people will see that? Are you with me? And if other people see that, that's, they say, hey, what, what's going on here? And then you give God the glory, amen? You give God the glory. He said, enlarge my territory. And then he says this in this prayer, that your, his hand would be with him, that, that God's hand would be with him. I love this. You see, that's what we have to understand is prayer is not just necessarily just asking for something. It is. Don't get me wrong. Yes. But prayer is communion and fellowship with God. He says that your hand will be with me. You know, what does he mean by that? It's not that he just gets stuff. What he's saying is this, God, I want you present in 
my life. It's like this with our kids. We have a little five-year-old. And we want him to hold our hand. Right there, hold our hand. You know, when we're walking, we went a little, just a short little hike yesterday and he wants to not hold your hand and he wants to run, you know. And he wants to be on his own and he wants that freedom, but there's something about when you're holding his hand, right? You know, but then there's this point where they get older and they don't want to hold your hand. It's like when our kids were little, they'd want to hold our hand. And then when you go to the mall, then they walk next to you, but they don't want to hold your hand. Then when you go to the mall and you go public places, they walk so far away from you, they don't even want anyone to know that they know you, right? Are you with me? And then it's just they only want to see you for some money, and then they go and take off somewhere, right? But when we think of this idea, he says, he says that your hand will be with me. The idea is this, is that he realized that when he was praying and talking to God, that prayer is a personal thing and that God is a personal God. And what I mean by that is this, is that God wants to be present in our lives, that when we talk to God, I mean, it's a privilege that we have, that we can talk directly to God and God hears us. How awesome that is. David said it like this, Psalm 23, the Lord is, if you know the words, these next couple words, the Lord is what? My shepherd. He says, I shall not want or I lack nothing. I have everything that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. You see what Jabez is saying is that, that, that God was close and God was near and God was present and that there was communion and that there was fellowship. Do you understand that when we pray, we have the privilege to talk to the God who created everything, the one who made all things. We get to talk to him. We get to speak to him and talk with him. And he actually listens. He actually hears us. God is a personal God, that he is present, he is near, that your hand would be with me. Do you know, I believe a lot of Christians, you know, we pray and we do all these things, but we really don't want God, we don't let God participate with us in our lives. I don't even, am I making any sense at all? We pray and we want basically God, can I just put it in these terms? It's like the little genie. Get out the lamp. We rub the little lamp. And then out comes the genie and the genie, we say, this is what I want. And then he has to go back into the lamp. Are you with me? Until we rub it again. Rub the little genie. Okay. Poof. He has to come back. And This is what I want. Okay. Okay, God. This is what I want. You better come on. Get it done. Do it. Then back but yet many times, God is not even a part of our lives. He's, he's not present. He's not there. We, he's not included in our everyday life. I love what this scripture says. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He says, then all these other things 
will be added unto you. You know, he ought to be top priority in our lives. That God ought to be involved in everything that we do. When we say, if you will, that your hand be with me, what he's saying is, I want you to be included in everything that I do. May I just say this many times, especially young people, they get themselves in a lot of trouble because they try to live their life minus God. They try to make decisions minus God. They try to make career choices minus God. But then when they need something, it's like, hey, God, emergency, I need this. Can I be so bold as to say that many times they get into relationships minus God? People get into marriages minus God, and then they need God to work a miracle all of a sudden? Come on now. Every choice, every decision. Can I just really throw this out there? Can I really start to meddle, including our own health? We are so, listen to me, we, we do everything minus God. May I say something to you? The first time you start getting a sore throat, pray. Do that first. No, that's too radical, Pastor Joe. You're just crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm being real. The next time you get a sniffle, pray. Can I tell you something? I, I just, I want to give God glory here. But I have literally had the privilege to go on a lot of places, a lot of mission trips. I have been places where I'm in a room with six people and six people are completely sick as can be for days. Now, I'm not saying I'm more spiritual. I'm going to tell you straight up, I'm not healthier than everyone else, but I'm going to tell you something. You know what I did all the time? I would pray over everything, not just a prayer, not just, Lord, bless this food. No, let me tell you, I would say, Lord, please help this food not to make me sick. I have been in Honduras, in Mexico. I have eaten dog and other animals. I'm not sure what I've eaten, but I didn't want to offend. I'm not, I'm, listen to me, I can bring witnesses here. There have been times I was bunking with five, six other guys, and all five or six of them. I'm not saying I'm more spiritual. I'm not. I'll probably end up sick tomorrow, and the Lord's going to say, I shall humble you. I shall humble you, but I want to give God glory. Because long before I go on that trip, and while I'm on that trip, and everything before I eat, and before I drink, and in everything, I say, Father God, please, I pray your blessing and help me not to get sick. I remember we sat down, and we, I was literally sitting there. They're bringing this food. We had that, I mean, we drove for hours. We hiked for hours to get out into the middle of nowhere. I'm talking middle of nowhere in the mountains of Mexico. You had to hike to get to this village. I remember I preached. It was late. We sat down, and one of the, the local families invited us for a meal. We're sitting there, and I'll never forget this as I'm, I'm eating it. I'm like the first one. You know, we prayed and stuff, and I prayed an extra time silently, and then we, I started eating. I said, God, this is kind of chewy. It's not chicken. It's not goat. I have that. And my youth pastor, by the way, his name was Pastor Dan. He was sitting across from me. I said, what do you think this is? And he goes, Pastor Joe, look behind you. I wasn't paying attention. And right behind me is a fence. I turn around, and here's a fresh-skinned dog. There's the schnoz. is right by my head, this big old. And the missionary worth, he goes, yeah, we're eating dog right now. I'll be honest, it tastes like chicken, just a little chewier. That's it. It's pretty good stuff, honestly. 
I mean, it was right there. My daughter just got a dog. So now we have three dogs in our house. So, hey, if things get rough, we have at least three weeks. We're good. Oh, say it ain't so, Joe. Say it ain't so. I remember I was in Jordan on a missions trip. Everybody I was with was sick. Sick, you know. But by the way, you don't obviously you don't drink the water, you don't drink the water. I was there for 10, 11 days. I was I was like, I somehow made it 10, 11 days. It's my last day. I get on a flight tomorrow. And I was like, Lord, please help me not to get two of the guys I was with. Um, let's just say they were in bad, bad, bad shape. And uh, one of the families in the church, they invited me from the church. They were refugees from um, Iraq. In fact, her husband was killed by the U.S. government. He was driving one of the trucks. And you know the smart bombs that you would actually see videos of? They actually dropped it on his transport truck. Let me just say this. He did not want to be in the military. But they were forced at gunpoint to join. All men were forced at gunpoint to join the military. And I remember saying to his family, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. They're like, no, we're not mad at the United States. We're not mad at you. We were, at that time, we were mad at Saddam Hussein. But they had become believers and they were refugees. They had to leave Iraq and they were in Jordan. And so we were teaching them the Bible. And, and I mean, it was an awesome thing, awesome experience. But she, she was a widow and she had uh, five teenage kids and living in poverty. Yet they invited me to come to their home. In fact, I'll never forget the boy's name was, um, his name was Muhammad. But he says, I want my Christian name because I want your Christian name. I want my Christian name to be Joseph. I thought, what an honor. And so they invited me into their home. No beds, very little or no furniture. And she made a, a meal. And we're getting there eating, and I'll never forget this. They said, you, you're thirsty, you need to have a drink. So they took the cup and they went to the faucet. And turned on a faucet, and I'm sitting there going, oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord. If I drink that water... I'm in trouble. I'm not making this up. I was flying out of Amman, Jordan to Chicago here. It was like about a 16-hour nonstop flight. And I'm thinking, if I drink this water and if I do this, I'm, that's going to be a rough flight. But I didn't want to offend them. And I, you talk about praying, like silent prayers. I said, Father... I trust you. I'm gonna, I do not want to offend these people, Father, please. And by the way, eating the food, you just never know. And I prayed and I said, oh, Lord, please, please, please. Keep me from getting sick. God, you're able. You're able to do it. And I drank that water. I'm, I, God is my witness. I did not get sick. By the way, I have never been sick on a missions trip. I've been with 20 plus groups of 20 plus people, 20, 21 of them sick. And for some reason, God would spare me. But I'm going to tell you something. I believe in the power of prayer. I'm not saying that you'll never get sick. I'm not saying that you won't ever suffer. 
Because by the way, listen, we do suffer sometimes. We drop porcelain toilets on our feet and cut them open, you know. I don't get sick, but I I do stupid things, you know. (laughs) Do we include God in everything? Do you include God in your relationships? Include him in the smallest of prayers? Very briefly, then he says this, keep me from evil. You know, some versions kind of give this idea of keep me from from suffering or keep me from pain. But what I truly believe is what he was saying is this. He says, keep me from evil, which will then keep me from pain. And the idea is this. I believe it's like the Lord's Prayer, where if you read in Luke and you read in Matthew, where Jesus said, and lead us not into what? Temptation. But what? Deliver us from evil. Or we could say it like this. Deliver me from the evil one. You see, what he was saying, I, I, this, there's so much here, but he says, keep me from evil. And if I am able to stay away from the evil, from sin, then it will help me to avoid the pain. Do you see, understand sin in James, look what James says here, just very quickly, we're about done. And James, look what he says. He says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. Remember, God does not tempt us to do evil. It's the evil one, okay? He says, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, okay? He doesn't tempt anyone to do evil. But he says, each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire or their own lusts and enticed. Then, after the desire has conceived, it brings sin, okay? It brings birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to what? To death. You see, sin leads to pain and sorrow and suffering. Are you with me? And so when he prayed, he said, Lord, keep me. He says, Father, keep me from evil, which will then keep me from the pain and the sorrowing and the suffering that evil brings. Sin brings death, separation, pain, sorrow, suffering. Because of the fall of Adam and Eve, even from the very beginning, immediately God said there's going to be difficulty. There's going to be struggle. You're going to have to sweat. You're going to have to work. Do you want to know something? We were here doing some work in the kitchen yesterday. We're down there. We're tearing out the walls. And you can see where all the little termites had been and where the termites were. And I was like, oh, termites. And I literally said out loud to the guys, I'm like, thanks, Adam. You just had to eat the fruit. You know why we have termites? Because Adam ate the fruit. Yes, it's all his fault. Because Adam ate the fruit, because he gave in to the temptation of the evil one, it brought pain and sorrow and suffering and evil. And then that brings separation and death, even separation from God. This man, Jabez, because sin entered in the world, he was born in great sorrow and suffering, but he called out to God and God delivered him. Amen. But he says, keep me from evil. Jesus said in his prayer, when you pray, include in your prayers, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let me say this. It is not a sin to be tempted. Do you know Jesus was tempted? 
Can I say this? We all are tempted. You know, I've had people say this to me over the years. Well, Pastor Joe, you're so lucky. You know, because you're a pastor and you're in a ministry and you've been ordained and, you know, and, and you, you're a preacher. You're just so lucky. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, what do you mean I'm so lucky? And they have this idea that because you're a pastor, somehow once you get that ordination, like the devil just leaves you alone now. You're just so lucky. Uh-uh. We all struggle with temptation. Even Jesus was tempted by the evil one, by Satan, correct? But he did not give in to temptation. Jesus said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, when you pray, pray that God will give you wisdom and discernment, listen to this carefully, to avoid sin, to try to stay away from it. To try to, to have wisdom and discernment. The Bible says in Proverbs, the foolish man, he just walks right on into it. But the wise and discerning man, a man of wisdom, he says he foresees that this could become a problem, so he avoids it. Do you know what a lot of Christians do? A lot of Christians put themselves in bad places, bad circumstances, and they walk right in very foolishly, and then they want to try to think that I'm going to have to be strong enough to resist it. I'll be honest, I'm just not that strong, so I just try to avoid it as much as possible. Does that make sense? If I'm on a diet, illustration, if I'm on a diet, and I say... You know, I need to lose five pounds. Just hypothetical. I need to lose five pounds. Do you want to know what I have to do? I have to avoid the ice cream aisle straight up. Because once that ice cream's in my house, I cannot resist temptation, let me tell you. So I just avoid the ice cream aisle. I don't go near it. I try to have wisdom and discernment to say, stay away from that aisle. Send one of the kids down that aisle. Stay away from that aisle. I walk down that ice cream aisle, and there it is. It's calling my name. There's, there's moose tracks and bunny tracks and every kind of tracks you can imagine. There's dog tracks, moose tracks. No, I'm just kidding. And I'm like, hmm, and it's calling my name. And once the ice cream's in the house, let me tell you, it is hard to try to have that, that willpower to resist it. So sometimes we just have to avoid it altogether. Can I say this? Pray for wisdom to avoid the temptation. Are you with me? But then there are times where we're going to be in it, and it's there, and we have to say, Father, God, give me strength to resist the temptation. Are you with me this morning? And so he says this, he says, keep me from evil. And in the context, the idea is this, is because if he goes down a path of sin, it will bring pain and sorrow and suffering into his life. And I love this. It says that God granted him his request. God answered his prayer. God answered his prayer not because of who Jabez was, but because of who God Did you get that? Jabez would be the most unlikely person in the eyes of of man to get his prayers answered. But can I say this had nothing to do with Jabez. It had everything to do with who God is. 
God is no respecter of persons. Do you want to know something? God can hear your prayers just as much as he can hear my prayers. And he can hear your prayers as much as the person sitting next to you or whoever it is that you may think of being as, you know, many times people have this idea is, oh, I got to have Pastor Joe pray for me or Pastor Dan. or what. Can I tell you something? No one can pray for you. Say it with me. Like you can pray for you. God wants you to believe and trust him and call out to him. He wants you to include him in everything. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Include him in your life. God is not a little genie, just a little lamp where we just rub the lamp. He wants to be included in everything that we do, every decision, every choice. He, He says that my hand will be with you. God, listen to me, I love this. God is with us wherever we go, amen? And you can call out to him at any time, at any place, under any circumstances. And God can and will hear. And hey, God answers prayer. And all God's people said this morning, amen. Let's stand together. Lord, we love you. We thank you.